Okay, listeners, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. It's been a very long time since we've done a review, and the movie that I'm going to talk about today, I wasn't even sure that I was going to do a review on. You've seen the title. It's The Flash, released in 2023, which is now available on digital, which was released June 16th, and was marred with controversy before it came out and numerous delays and this has been the biggest box office disaster in dc's history and there's a lot of different reasons or thoughts as to why that happened and i'm not really here to talk about those um if you've listened to other shows read anything about this movie that's all been talked about and i'm not here to talk about ezra miller things that happened, and if that's the reason why this movie failed at the box office. Do I think that's part of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think you'd be a fool not to think that that affected that. Do I think there's a lot of reasons that this movie failed? Yes, one of them being that the DCU, DCEU, until it's officially done, is so confusing now. And for the casual moviegoer, What's the point in rushing out and seeing these movies when, in the grand scheme of things, they honestly no longer matter? As much as people will say, you know, oh, Zack Snyder's not perfect, me being one of them. I'm, I'm not a Zack Snyder, you know, apologist, enthusiastic, whatever you want to say. I'm, I'm none of those things. I think Zack Snyder has done some good things. I think Zack Snyder has had some great ideas. And I think he gets a little bit too carried away sometimes. But I think with the Zack Snyder's Justice League cut and the interest that that garnered and what we saw from that, I thought it was insane for them to pull the plug and just really kind of take him out of loop and say, we don't want to do these things. And again, like I said, to the casual movie fan, what do any of these movies matter? Why are you going to see it? You're just going to see a movie? Well, you know, again, for somebody like me, sure, I'll do that. Um, But the casual movie fan that gets out to the theater once a month because they finally have a break and they have a date night where, you know, somebody's watching the kids or work has finally let up or whatever the case may be for that person that doesn't make it a point to go to the movies and it has to be something. It has to be an event. There has to be something to catch you. It has to feel different. We've certainly seen that with the release of Barbie and Oppenheimer that, you know, the box office isn't dead. It's not that people just don't want to go to the movies, but there's gotta be an attraction there. There has to be something that makes you say, I'm willing to spend 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe $60 to go to the movies and see something inside the theater, you know, buy popcorn, soda, whatever the case may be, take the family, um, go on a first date. Again, whatever it is that's bringing you to the theater, but there has to be another hook there. Or why would you not wait? Like now, the flash is released on digital. I'll sit at home and I'll watch it for 20 bucks in the confines of my home, or I'll wait long enough for it to release on 
on Max. It seems like the streaming date on Max might be right around the end of August here. So for that casual person, okay, I don't care about the controversies. I don't care about the delays. I'll watch it, but I'll wait. There's no hook there. And, you know, to get into the movie, one, it adapts the Flashpoint Paradox. We saw in Zack Snyder's Justice League that Barry can travel back in time. He does that to stop Darkseid, the mother boxes connecting. And this movie, he decides, if you've ever read the comics or know anything about the Flashpoint Paradox, Barry decides that he's going to go back in time to save his mom. And it's loosely adapted. It's not a complete... um, you know, telling of that flashpoint paradox. And the problem with this movie, again, where I think it fails, is it shows you what it should have been in terms of the DCU and everything else. You have Ben Affleck's Batman. You have Ben Affleck's Batman in this, where he only has about five to eight minutes of screen time. But what they were expecting to happen in this movie, and again, based on the original plan, Michael Keaton was supposed to take over in a Nick Fury type role as the Batman that bridges all these universes. But what you get here, and Michael Keaton is good. It's cool to see him back as Batman. But what you get here is a clear indication that Ben Affleck's time as Batman is over way too soon. He plays, you know, when everybody complained about Batman v Superman, Ben Affleck was the one constant that people talked about. And very much the same way that when Heath Ledger was announced as the Joker and people were like, oh my God, that guy that played the gay in Brokeback Mountain, everybody shit on the fact that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman. And he turned out being the best part. And people said, oh, my God, he's such a great depiction of Batman. He's such a great depiction of Bruce Wayne. And he was. If you don't remember anything about Batman v Superman, and well, sorry, I should rephrase that. You remember one thing about Batman v Superman. You remember Ben Affleck's Batman. You remember him as Bruce Wayne running into chaos while everybody else is terrified and trying to save people. And this movie just highlights how screwed up DC is right now in terms of what they're trying to do. It's so confusing. And it's confusing for somebody like me who wants to follow this left, right, and center. So what does the casual person think of what the hell this is supposed to be? None of it makes sense. And then you see, well, wait, why is he here? Why is Michael Keaton here as Batman? Then there's Robert Pattinson's The Batman. Now all of a sudden the DCU is going to cast a new Batman for the brave and the bold. Where does it end? What is the tag anymore? And that's why I think this movie, one, fails didn't resonate with people that went to see it because you get glimpses of what I think people still want. And it was cut short. Also this movie 
is intended to be funny, and it's not. Personally, I don't think Ezra Miller's funny. I, I didn't think he was funny the way his character was written. So not the person, but the way that Barry Allen is written in this universe. I didn't find him funny in Justice League at all. I thought his jokes were really bad, um, especially in this movie, the part where, you know, the opening scene where Batman is chasing down criminals, Barry saving, you know, babies from a building, which is horrible CGI. There's the scene with the lasso of truth where at this point, Wonder Woman's just, I, I don't know what she is anymore um, in, in this universe and why she's even around because you are doing such a disservice to the character at this point by just kind of parading her around for two, three minutes in a movie. But the lasso of truth where, you know, Batman is stuck to it and he's like, oh, my ego's way too big to say thank you to anybody. When we just saw him say thank you in the last movie that was released and his character development was great. So that's a misstep. And then Barry tries to grab the lasso and says, I know what sex is, but I don't know how it works. Like, it's not funny. Like, maybe that's funny to a 9, 10, and 13-year-old. I don't know. Maybe. But it's not funny to the people who are going to see this movie. It's really dumb, and it makes no sense. But this is also a movie that shows cameos for the, the sake of cameos does not work. Fan service is okay to a degree, as long as it's not insulting. And the ending of this movie, with all of those cameos, where it is horrendous, horrendous CGI, and then they try to play it off like, oh, that's how Barry Allen sees things in his time speed. No, don't bullshit us. We're smarter than that. It looked like shit. You didn't expect people to react the way you did, and you tried to come up with some bullshit excuse for why it looks like that which is, again, you're just insulting your audience left and right. That scene is horrible. And you can tell the people who made this movie thought that was going to be such a talking point for fans. Oh, my God. Did you see these cameos? Did you see Nicolas Cage? Did you see Christopher Reeves? Did you see Adam West? Isn't that awesome? No. It serves no purpose to this movie whatsoever. And it's terrible. It's not only terrible because it serves no purpose, but again, it's terrible because there's so little effort put into those cameos that it's just insulting. The other thing that does not work about this movie is if you're a Man of Steel fan and you are excited to see Michael Shannon back as Zod and maybe see Supergirl, again, these characters are in this movie as nothing more than a MacGuffin to go from A to B. They serve no purpose. You could make this movie without them. And it's a horrible bookend to Man of Steel and trying to connect that movie. I think there's problems with Man of Steel. It's much better than I remember going back over the years and rewatching it. But this movie does not do any favors to Man of Steel, and it thinks it's paying some sort of respect to that work and to that movie. And it's not, because a character like Zod, who was really good, 
He was a complex character. You could understand his motivations. You felt sympathy for him. Those are the best villains that you can understand their point of view. That's what Man of Steel did. And in this movie, he's there just to say, hey, look at this, folks. We got him back. And there's no point. There's no reason for your audience to care. There's no reason for your audience to care about Supergirl. While her scenes are good, her flight's fantastic, her fighting, the choreography, the level of her power, I think that's all displayed very well. But there's no reason to root for her. Her change in demeanor towards human beings happens because what? She flies over some freaking pine trees? Again, there's nothing to connect your audience to any emotion. The best thing they do in this movie is at the very end when Barry decides that he does have to let his mother die. But you've been sitting through two hours and 15 minutes of what I consider crap. Five minutes of an emotional scene of him traveling back to say goodbye to his mother before he knows that she's going to die does not make up for everything that you just had to sit through. I have sat through movies that are three hours long and they went by in the blink of an eye. This movie at two hours and 24 minutes, I felt like I was sitting in the theater for six hours. I never once, I should, sorry, I shouldn't say never once, but I was engaged so little in this movie that it just felt forever. I could feel myself constantly fidgeting, constantly moving, and just being incredibly bored with what I was seeing in screen because there's no connection to these characters at all. There's none. Only other good thing about this movie is Michael Keaton's return as Batman. It was really cool to see him back. However, there's a total misstep with him as to why he retired. We found out in some interviews that were released well after this movie um, got to theaters that the reason Batman was no longer Batman is not intentionally, but Batman accidentally killed a criminal in front of his child. And it's a very similar situation to Batman, you know, watching his parents die in front of him. And it caused him to retire from being Batman. That could have been a good emotional part to see an arc to latch onto for your audience as to why he stopped being Batman. It's a really good hook, especially because people were excited to see Keaton back. Give them more reasons to understand why his Bruce Wayne was no longer doing what he promised his parents he would do. But no, they have to cut that to show what they consider humor of Barry saving babies and putting them in microwaves. The choices that are made in this movie are illogical. The things that they decided to cut are again, do not have a cohesive story. It doesn't connect to your audience. And that is why this is the biggest box office flop that DC has ever produced. It has lost them tons of money that there's even talks of, should they even bother to release Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom in theaters? Because they're afraid 
of it doing the exact same thing. Should they maybe cut their losses, put it just, you know, on max immediately, or maybe because there's no controversy surrounding that movie. And, you know, unless you think people are going to boycott it because I do hear Amber Heard scenes are still in there. I don't think it would affect it as much as this movie was affected. But what reason is there to release that movie in theaters anymore? So that's a quick recap of my feelings on The Flash. Hope you enjoy it. And again, should be on max here by the end of August. Do I suggest watching this movie? No, I actually don't. I really don't feel even for free. Um, I think you can spend a lot better use of your time, especially two hours and 24 minutes of it. Instead of watching this movie, even if you pay for HP, you know, you pay for max. Now, I don't think this is worth a watch. I just don't. 10 minutes of good movie is not worth sitting two hours and 14 minutes, at least in my book. But if it's something that you've been looking forward to, you just can't find time to go to the movies and you don't want to spend any extra money on it besides what you're paying for your max subscription, then sure, check it out. I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments and maybe I'm way off base. Maybe you love this movie. I'd be really interested to hear what your thoughts are and why you feel that way. So until next time, you'll catch us real soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.